This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Good, good. Just drinking some chai tea. Very nice. Like a boss. And we're back on another episode of Lower After Hours. My name is at Crispy Memed on Twitter, and this week we are joined by college basketball reporter for ESPN and co-host for ESPN Radio on Sunday mornings and also co-host of College Game Day on ESPN Radio as well as a writer for ESPN.com, Myron Metcalf. Myron, did that cover kind of everything that you do for ESPN? Forgive me. uh, I was trying to cobble everything together uh for your intro what, what, what did i miss no no that's, that's pretty much it i mean i do some boxing in ufc but no that's the main that's the main gig i'm like the dude at ESPN where you're like oh yeah you're that dude that does that one thing but you don't necessarily <laughs> know what it is you know what i mean that's that's kind of like who i am uh with ESPN. well that's that's not necessarily a bad thing because like the higher profile the more like more people come after your mentions more people you know like that comes with haters so like if if you were, you know, gainfully employed and writing and talking about what you love, but without all the heat, you know, it's not not a bad trade off, right? Yeah, I'll take it. No, it's it's. I mean, I get like Kentucky basketball fans. That's probably like about it in terms of people <laughs> hating, you know, on the mentions. But right. no, everyone else is. It's it's usually fairly cool. That's that's good. That's good. Good to hear. Well, we're gonna kick it off. Um, I'm gonna throw it to our first question asker uh, at Halloween Basic on Twitter. AKA Pamela. Uh, she's got a music Pamela. question for you. Go ahead, Pamela. Hey, good to talk what to up? you. What up? <laughs> so, my question is you live in Minneapolis. Yeah. What is your Mount Rushmore of Prince songs since he is Minneapolis? Oh, man. So, I, I guess I got to be honest. Like, being born and raised in like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, like, Prince wasn't as big for me until I got here. You know, so I guess I could give like some of the classics, you know, like the Purple Rain. But I'm not like a Prince expert. I'm not like I'm actually going up to Milwaukee. Honestly, it was all Michael Jackson. And then I moved here for college. And honestly, that was like my first exposure to the the, you know, entity that is Prince and everything attached to that. So I don't I don't have off the top of my head like a like a Mount Rushmore, believe it or not, like Michael Jackson. I do but not necessarily Prince, surprisingly. So what's your Michael Jackson then? Thriller, Beat It. Um, I like even old school Michael Jackson, like, you know, Jackson 5, Michael Jackson, Ben is a great song. Yeah. Man, there's so many. He likes so many. Like, that's his yes, best. Yes, yes. That's his best. Um, bad. I mean, there's so many Michael Jackson songs. And that's honestly how I grew up. Like, again, like I know Prince here is like, you don't want to ask anybody many habits about Prince because they all have these stories about, you don't know how many of them are true. Like, people all have stories. They all toured with Prince at some point, I guess. They, <laughs> they, all, they, all, they, all were, they all were backstage with Prince at some point. Um, the coolest Prince story I do have, though, was, so there was this big conference here in Minneapolis, uh, National Association of Black Journalists. So, like, he invited us down 
all these reporters and you get there. Uh, we took a bunch of buses down there to his spot and he's got like his, his home has like this giant auditorium. So we get there and he's got security standing everywhere. You know, there's no alcohol in Prince's spot. Like he, you never had that whenever you went out there. And then he had, he had like three items he was selling for food. Like someone was like behind the counter. It was like gluten-free macaroni, red beans and rice, and like bottled water, I believe. And maybe brownies or something like that. It was so random, right? So we get in there and it is his DJ, uh, this young woman, who's like the dopest DJ I've ever seen. Like she is killing it. I mean, there's no alcohol in the place and we are just having a blast. Next door to this main auditorium in Prince's Spot in Chanhassen, Minnesota, which is like 45, well, 30 minutes south of Minneapolis, uh, is like this little small room, right? And he's only playing kung fu movies, no joke. So it's like old school kung fu movies are in this room and people are kind of just vibing in this room and then the rest of us are in there kind of dancing. It was just so crazy, right? So Prince kind of makes his way through the crowd. You can tell he's there. He's got a security. You can look up by the pool table. He's there hanging out. All of a sudden on the stage, there's this big like commotion and a bunch of big dudes come through the stage area. And you're like, that's weird. Like what on earth is happening? You know, who are these dudes? What entrance did they come in? And you look through the crowd and you can see there's a woman. You can tell she's got blonde hair. And then the sea kind of parts. It's Madonna. So Madonna had played... What? had played in St. Paul, Minnesota concert that night. And she had come down to party with Prince. So no joke, I swear. Like Madonna and Prince are sitting there hanging out and partying together well, at his party. Well, he her music. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Like, who knew she was coming, right? We're already excited that Prince is kind of mingling. And then Madonna comes through. Um, we thought we were going to get this great Prince performance. And he, he runs up on stage. And I have never, like, you, you know, I mean, as adults, we get excited about music. But this was like people out of control screaming when this man went up to perform. We thought he was performing, excuse me. And he said his band wasn't in town. I don't know what the real story was, but he didn't perform. So we were all so disappointed, but it was just cool just to be in his presence, you know, just to be around him like yeah. that. So wild night at Prince's place. <laughs> wow, okay. You're the first person I've ever talked to that has ever even been in the same room as him. So. It, it was, I mean, his spot is like, it's exactly what you would think of as a prince place. It doesn't look real. Like it looks like a, a palace or something like that, you know? And I know people who live in his area who used to, and like, you know, he'd ride his bike down the street all the time. So like people would see him like on his bike hanging out, you know, um, it's just wild. It's wild. Awesome. Thank you. It makes it makes it easy to believe those uh, Charlie Murphy, Dave Chappelle show all, stories, doesn't uh, it? <laughs> all true. All true. And I know his. I know his. Uh, his uh, JV bar, uh, basketball coach, right? So, uh -huh. so my buddy Al Nunes coached Prince uh, when he what? was a JV player in high school, and he said he was good. Like he said, he was pretty good. You know, like that's wild. All those stories are true. <laughs> I mean that dude. The, um, the gluten free, the gluten free macaroni and cheese, red beans and, and rice and bottled water. Yep. That's that's like that's <laughs> such a specific detail that you could not possibly make up when you're telling a story about Prince. And it wasn't it wasn't like some catering company. It was right. just like a woman from the neighborhood or something. No joke. <laughs> it wasn't like it. It wasn't someone who had like an official, you know, looking thing. It was honestly just like someone. <laughs> Who might have been his neighbor or somebody selling, right. selling these items, man. It was it was wild. But just to be there yeah. was just an incredible experience, you know. To, I, to I be and it wasn't that long after that that he that he passed. So it was amazing. Wow. Yeah, he's uh he's an entity. Prince wasn't a person, he was like a you know, from another planet almost. <laughs> yeah, the stories around here are crazy. Like he so what he would do is like he decided he wanted to play a first stab, which is where he filmed Purple Rain, right? Uh -huh. So like, no joke, you'd be sitting downtown on a Friday and all of a sudden at like three o'clock, there'd be a tweet or some social media would go out and it'd be like, Prince wants to play a show tonight at first wow. half. Tickets are first come, first serve. No joke. You would see grown folks running the first half downtown to try to get a <laughs> hold of these tickets. Like yeah. people would lose it whenever that dude did anything. It was, his presence was amazing. That's incredible. That's incredible. 
All right, next up, we're going to throw it out to a Steak Sauce out in Albuquerque. I think he's got a college basketball question. Go ahead, Steak. Hey, Myron, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, so I'm out here in Albuquerque, home to the Lobos, and we got the pit out here, which I think is one of the most underrated college basketball atmospheres. I don't know if you've experienced it, but just like, Aside from like the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Kentuckys, like what are some low key, like best places to watch college basketball? Well, I will tell you that like you talk to college coaches the way I do, none of them want to go to play at the pit. Like nobody wants to be there. Like no one's ever said a bad word about the pit. Like it's a scary place. I haven't been there yet, but it's certainly on my list. But like, you know, it's easy to see why they're not going to get a bunch of big names to come down there and play because who wants to be a part of that environment? So, I'll say, like, staying in that part of the country, San Diego State had a crazy vibe Mm -hmm. that I wasn't anticipating. I mean, that was like, you think San Diego, and you're kind of like, y'all ain't got to come to a basketball game, right? It's like chill, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you all can go to the beach or something, right? So it was, like, weird to see just how intense the whole vibe was um, at San Diego State. I mean, I've been to all the big ones. Kansas is obviously a crazy place, you know, just because it is basketball. It's everything that you would think of. Duke's crazy because so a lot of people don't know this about, about Duke. So as media, if you're sitting courtside, you are like in the student section. So you are like people are pressed up against you as you're working. So So it's like people are cheering and you're getting hit in the head and pushed and it's just, it's crazy. So another fun story about Duke. Just stop me if I'm telling too many stories, but this is kind of how I do this stuff. I'm at the Duke-Miami game, and I'm in a black suit, right? I see Warren Sapp, because this is when Miami was doing really well, like 2013. They were number one at one time. They got a chance to win a national championship. And all these old school Miami dudes are at Duke to watch this game. It's a big deal. I see Warren Sapp, the great football player, played for the Tampa Bay Bucks, played at Miami. He's looking at me. Like, not looking at me like, you know, just passively, but like looking at me like he knows me or wants me for something, right? You know what I mean? Like, he just wouldn't look away. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. Maybe he thinks I'm somebody else. You know, maybe, who knows? So Warren Sapp comes up to me, and he's holding his tickets. He's like, hey, bro, can you take me to my seat, please? I'm like, uh, uh, Warren, I don't work here, man. I'm a, I'm a reporter with ESPN. I don't, <laughs> I don't take tickets here at Cameron Indoor Stadium. He thought I worked at the arena. Like, Warren Sapp is furious that I'm not taking him to his seat, man. Oh, it, it was no. wild. But Duke, oh, is a, no. Duke is a great space. I'd say low-key, Gonzaga's crazy. The craziest game I've ever been to, like, off the grid, was St. Mary's Gonzaga at St. Mary's, where you had – it was standing room only. It was so hot up there because they had us like up above the main seating area and we were all bunched in together. NBA scouts, media folks were all sitting there. The, the fire marshal is like walking around trying to figure out like, hey, are we letting too many people in? That atmosphere was really, really crazy. St. Mary's, Purdue's crazy. Wisconsin uh, is a wild place, I would say. I just went to an HBCU game. Uh, North Carolina Central played. I mean, there was an atmosphere there that was like, like, wow. North Carolina A&T actually was where the game was. And that was nonstop, you know. Um, Florida has a great environment. I think a lot of people think football, but, like, basketball is pretty, is pretty crazy there as well. Man, I, I've just been to so many. My number one would be if you had, like, a bucket list place to go, if you're ever in the Midwest, you probably would never think twice about it, Iowa State. Iowa State in Ames, Iowa, pound for pound has, you know, maybe the best atmosphere outside, the pit, the Dukes, the places that you know about. Like that atmosphere is just, is just crazy. And I, I covered a game against Kansas there. Um, and Kansas was down late. And then they come back to take it to overtime. And uh, in overtime, they run away with it. And, you know, this Iowa State, they're thinking they're going to get a big win over Kansas. And people are are going crazy, you know. They're like, man, we're about to lose this game. They do lose the game. Elijah Johnson comes down the court in overtime. Game is already over. Dunks it, swings on the rim. Everybody gets upset. When I tell you, like, people are crying in the stands. Kids are crying. 
So all of a sudden the game's over, right? So they're walking back to the locker room, Kansas is. And this dude must've been about 50 years old, runs down the stands and he's about to take a swing at Bill oh, Self no. and Elijah Johnson. And the police oh, grab this dude. Police grab this dude. <laughs> and he's about to take a swing at him. So I go back to Kansas's bus uh, in the back of the arena. I'm like, Elijah, man, did you see that dude come out of the stands, man? He was ready to attack you? Like, did you see that? That was kind of crazy. Elijah was like, let me tell you something, homie. I'm from Gary, Indiana. Don't nothing scare me. <laughs> and he just walked away. And he just walked away. That was it. That was like my only interaction. My only interaction with Elijah Johnson after that game was, let me tell you something, homie. I'm from Gary, Indiana. Don't nothing scare me. That was it. That was it, man. It was uh, crazy. It was crazy. Gary, Indiana makes that quote. One, so one, one quick follow-up just for me. Or two, actually. Did you quote him on that? And then uh, I've been on the press row. At, I'm, a, I'm a sports reporter. I've been on the press row at the pit multiple times. And it's horrible because it's tucked away, like in the corner, like it's not it's not mid court, so I can't see shit going on at the other side when I'm trying to cover a game. What's the press row? What's the worst press row you've been on? Is it is oh, it camera? That's a good question, man. No, camera. At least you have access. So, like back in the day, I mean, I've been doing this for a minute. Like back in the day, you always had courtside, but now everybody's putting private seating there. You know, like uh, all the rich folks are sitting out courtside, so now you kind of get pushed back. Man, Indiana was bad. Like, Indiana used to be good, but now they, like, tuck you into the middle of the student section. So unless you're standing up in a good game, you can't see, you know? And then the biggest thing with Indiana is, like, it's one thing to put you in the student section. You got to, like, crawl over people to get to your seat. So it's just, like, you sitting there with a bunch of kids behind you, like, yeah, of course you put Indiana six in your power pole, idiot. It's that kind of thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, bro, man, I'm just doing my job. And they're they're the ones that put me in section 203 with y'all. I didn't I didn't ask to be here. Exactly. So You're not trolling Indiana, them. Yeah, man. Indiana is is tough, but it's hard to complain, man. We get such good access overall. It's not real work in terms of just the opportunity we get, but um yeah, if you want some people to complain, ask them about the the student section. And I didn't quote Elijah Johnson because I'm like, what do I do with that? Like, I didn't know, you know what I mean? Like, I just felt like that was my personal story with Elijah, and I'll use the more official quotes. But the guy actually got in trouble. The guy who came from the, down from the stands was a big booster with the school, and he got in trouble after that. But he came down to take a swing at uh at those guys. And the funny thing is – it reminds you that like average people don't realize how strong and big these guys are. And they all think that they could take them. And it's like, what were you going to do if they let you loose, bro? Like these dudes would have knocked you out, man. You would have got knocked out, dude. Sit uh, down. Levitard is constantly talking about how the camera com- it completely distorts the size of these people. Like Dan, Dan, I think is six, four. And he says like, you know, and he's, one of the biggest people that a lot of people have been around yeah. and they've never, they've ne- they do not understand how gigantic these human beings are. It, I, uh, I do some UFC stuff. So I cover Brock Lesnar, you know, Brock Lesnar, the oh yeah, absolutely. WWE superstar. Right. So I covered his training camp before his fight against Randy Couture for the heavyweight title in the UFC. So all the dudes in Brock's camp, he has this, he lives in Alexandria, Minnesota, way off mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. Um, and he has his own gym. And his gym is, is a bunch of all-American wrestlers, heavyweight champions, NCAA dudes, big-time MMA dudes. And these guys are huge. I mean, these are right. giant dudes. And then Brock walks in, and he dwarfs these guys. Like, he looks even bigger. So Brock comes in, and he's got a big wrestling mat. You know, like the big mat you would see. And he starts stretching side to side. And all of a sudden, he does a handstand on his hands. And then he pushes himself up, and then he's on his knuckles. I'm not kidding you. Brock Lesnar is on his knuckles, 300-plus pounds, right, balancing. He walks the perimeter of the mat on his knuckles, and then he comes back around like it was nothing. Like, I'm telling you, people don't understand. These guys are not human. You know, these guys are not like us. And (laughs) you you shouldn't test them because they would hurt you. You know what I mean? These guys are a different breed. 
So no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, lawsuits is what saves most uh, most people's ass. That's uh, the only thing. Situation. Yes, that's the only thing. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Up next, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to Lou Rafter, aka Bruce in Sales. Uh, he's got a question about the office for you. Go ahead, Lou. Hello, thanks for joining us. Hey, man, thanks for having me. So, uh, I, I'm really hoping you're an office fan, because then if I if you're not, then this question is not gonna really have any merit. Uh, I was curious, who's your uh, favorite character, and what's your favorite episode of The Office? Oh man, oh I, I'm a huge fan. Oh, definitely. Um, to me, it's probably Michael Scott. I mean, I think he he just kind of carries the whole thing, you know, and everybody plays off him. And, uh-huh. and, and like, the way the whole series changed when he was no longer on it was so dramatically different. It was clear that he was, like, you know, the main ingredient in the show. And, like, I look back at season one, and I'm like, I don't know if you could do Diversity Day you know, in 2020, like you couldn't do a lot of those shows, but my goodness, personally, I'd still laugh. I love all those shows. I mean, for me, it's easier to name the worst characters on The Office. Uh-huh. And I think that starts with Dwight, uh, Stanley, and, and Pam. Um, you know, I, wow, I get, wow, I get, okay. Yeah, I get the Dwight fixation. Um, I think he's an acquired taste. Now, Stanley, St- Stanley doesn't do a whole lot for me, right? Like, I, you know, the thing with Stanley is he never wants to participate. And I get if that's your thing most episodes, but every episode, I mean, come on, Stanley, get with it yeah, at some point. Yeah, right, right. And then, and then Pam, you know, stringing people along, can't make up her <laughs> mind. Wow. And at the end of the wow. day, People are just getting their hearts broken left and right uh, because that's, of Pam Beasley. You know, those we don't are facts. Want to talk about that, but that's the yeah. that is the reality. In my now, uh, uh, Pam, our Pam, do you do you want to con- like concur or uh, I, I don't I don't think she's very happy, uh, Myron, with your answer. <laughs> Pam, uh, I'm going to let you take it. Go ahead. I'm happy to jump in here. Um, <laughs> we have had a conversation. We have. How great Stanley is in the episode where he says, did I stutter? Which is, mm-hmm. did I stutter? <laughs> how that was so great and you loved it so much, but now he's lazy. One. In those moments, in that, in that episode, he's great. 100%. 100%. Two, Pam was not the only one that was messing around there. Uh, how long did Jim string Karen along without telling her that he actually had feelings for someone else? He let her yeah. move there, knowing he still had feelings for Pam. Uh, also, Purse Girl, when he dated Katie, he yeah. was in love with Pam and watching Pam and Roy while Katie's talking to him. He's looking in the opposite direction. And on Booze Cruise, when they asked him who he would save in a fire, he said, I yeah. would save the receptionist with his girlfriend right there. Yes. It's I'm not, not Pam. <laughs> I am not saying I'm not saying Jim is great. I'm just saying Pam is worse. That's all. I, I mean Jim certainly Jim certainly is a he's Jim certainly is a flawed man. And certainly Stanley has had his moments, hundred percent. But I mean, overall, a smile for a change, Stanley. Come on, man. And, and Pam, yes. I just think the thing with Pam is we don't like to have real conversations about Pam. And, and some of the challenges there. But we're quick to criticize everybody else on the show. And I feel like Pam gets uh, sort of a pass. Now, Karen, at the end of the day, I think she was going to move one way or the other. You know, I don't feel like Jim was like, hey, definitely let's do it. Can I help you? It was more like, you know what? The girl I really like isn't into me. She's got a whole different entanglement going on. So let me just try to move on to the best of my ability. That's how I felt. Sam's are great. The end. <laughs> That's that, some, that is a some, fact. That is a fact. Some hundred percent. Well, the uh, b- both of you Sorry. guys got it wrong. I was just gonna say both of you guys got it wrong. It's uh, the correct answer is either Creed or Kevin. Um, so that is the answer for the best Creed. characters. Lou, Creed. go ahead. Let me cut you off. No, I was gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say the, the one time Stanley was smiling was on Pretzel Day, and when they, uh, Dwight and him convinced him to hide meatballs everywhere. 
<laughs> That's like five times where you got him to smile. He loved pretzel day. That Stanley's amazing. No, that Stanley is is incredible for sure. And Creed, Creed's best moment to me is the murder episode when they're playing the game and he doesn't know it's a game and he walks in mid-episode and Michael Scott's like, there's been a murder and you're a suspect. And Creed's like, okay, let me get my things together. And then he races back to the Figure that he's a real suspect. That's my yep. favorite, my favorite Creed man. Creed, Creed, Creed is one of those guys. He he like chose his spots on the episode. He's he's yeah. absent ninety five percent of most episodes, <laughs> but when he's there, he's Steve Kerr winning you a championship. Yes. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. All yes. right, <laughs> we're gonna go uh, to John in Miami next. I believe he's got a boxing question for you. Go ahead, John. Oh, great. Hi, Myron. Thanks for joining us. Hey, so, you got a great radio know. voice, man. You do radio? No, no, but um, you should. I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm learning this thing as I go. Yeah, um, you got a great, you got a great radio voice for real, man. Thank you very much. I was curious if you had any uh, boxers you were watching pre-pandemic. You know, when 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 fights were actually happening, um, that we should look out for and maybe keep track of. I mean, how much time you got, man? Because I'm a boxing fiend. Um, as much as you want. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the big guys, we still got to see Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury 3, which I hope happens by the end of the year. I mean, those are the two best heavyweights in the world, I think. Um, Deontay Wilder got a TKO seventh round, lost that fight against Tyson Fury, who, by the way, is like 6'9", 270 pounds and moves like a young Shaq. I mean, it's amazing for a guy that size. And then Deontay Wilder, even though he lost that second fight, he's still a threat no matter when he gets into the ring. So I hope I hope the politics of boxing don't mess up a chance to uh, have that third fight. Anthony Joshua, the other heavyweight from London, is probably going to jump into that mix at some point. Uh, but I think the, the most intriguing division by far is 147 pounds, Errol Spence Jr., Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter, Keith Thurman, Manny Pacquiao, all these guys who could really fight, you know, for the next three to five years at that weight and uh, give us a bunch of great fights if the politics of boxing don't get in the way, which that's always going to be the big question. Can promoters work it out? where everybody's getting a cut. Um, but I, I think that division is just, it's, it's tremendous. And then for me, it's only a matter of time before Floyd Mayweather comes back and he jumps into the mix, fights again. So I just think 147 pounds is definitely, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the division to watch. The biggest fight coming, I think it's October, might be September, Tiafima Lopez uh, versus Lomachenko. Uh, at 135 pounds, that's just going to be a crazy, crazy fight. And people are counting Tiafima Lopez out. I wouldn't want to fight that young dude. I mean, he's he's athletic, he's strong, he knocks everybody out. Um, that's a dangerous, dangerous fight, I think, for Lomachenko. Um, but yeah, I would say those are the, the the biggest fights to watch going forward in, in, in boxing. Fantastic. Wow. Any advice for De La Hoya now that's making his comeback, apparently? Uh, don't come back. Don't That'd come be back. my advice. Excellent. That'd be my advice. I mean, here's the no. problem with boxing, right? He'll come back, and they'll put him up against some dude who looks the part. Like, you could, you, could, you could get a lot of dudes from your L.A. fitness who look like they can fight. Like, they might be in shape, and they may look the part, and that's what they're going to do at De La Hoya. They're going to get somebody who looks the part, looks like he could put up a fight, and then De La Hoya is going to destroy him because De La Hoya, even at his age, is still better than a guy like that. He's going to win, and they're going to try to build up De La Hoya into some bigger fight, and they're going to hurt him, man. I mean, he's going to get hurt. Larry Holmes hit Muhammad Ali so hard in their fight in 1980 that he literally was screaming to the ref, please stop the fight, and they didn't stop the fight. Like, it's going to be one of those situations for him where it's like a young dude is just mauling him and they got to stop the fight. Uh, it's just a bad idea, but, you know, boxers don't retire. You got to retire. You got to knock them through the ropes. You got to KO them so viciously that they never want to come back because they're always going to feel like they can come back. And De La Hoya saying this stuff about 
he's better than he was 10 years ago. Every dude is lying that says that. All of us say that. Oh, man, I can still jump as high as I could in 2005. No, you can't. That's Come on, man. Stop lying. But that's the whole thing with De La Hoya. He's better than he was. Yeah, right, man. Somebody's going to hurt that dude, though, and then he'll have to quit. Thank you for the insight. That's really good. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Up next, we've got Aaron in Memphis. Go ahead, Aaron. Memphis. My, yes, sir. Uh, Myron, I appreciate you jumping on with us. So I've got a double-sided question. So first, um, so I went to school with Laquan Trebwell. I knew him in college, and he was always yeah. the best guy. I loved Laquan. And then when he got to Minnesota, he struggled a lot, which is, I mean, I'm sure anybody that follows the NFL knows. And that always perplexed me. And a lot of the guys that I knew uh, from college that knew him a lot better than I did said that it said there was some more, I guess, not that he wasn't good enough, but there was some personal stuff going on. I just didn't know if you had any insight into kind of what the thoughts were on the reasons behind his struggle in the NFL. And also, your thoughts on Kermit Davis? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll start with Laquan. I, um, what was the game with the broken leg? The, Auburn. The, so Auburn. Yeah, broke his the, fibula. The, the, the pre-broken leg Laquan Treadwell was on his way to be, to me, a superstar in the NFL. Like, anybody who saw that dude leading up to that saw that he was clearly the man. You know what I mean? Um, my thought on Laquan, and just people I know who've been around him, is I don't know that Laquan has ever learned to trust his body again after that injury. I mean, the, the things that Laquan can do versus the risk he takes now are different. And I think that to me is like one of the challenges with Laquan. And, and I've seen this with dudes who have suffered major injuries where everybody's like, oh, he's back in shape. You know, his weight's good. He's got it all. And then mentally, it's still a dude going out there being cautious. And, and now I think Laquan's gotten to the point where he's like, every catch could be my last catch. And I feel like he's just overthinking the game and, and not playing with the freedom we saw before the injured leg. And I think that to me, I tell everybody, like, this is not the dude we saw leading up to that moment, you know? And, and I think – now the other thing is, you play next to Adam Thielen, Defon Diggs, who've been the best wide receiver due on the league for the last three years, it's hard to look good, right? It's hard to look like you could be in that mix. So that to me is a, is a, is a factor as well. But I still feel like with Laquan, it always came down to trusting his instincts, trusting his body, uh, which, you know, I don't know that he's completely done that to the degree that you have to do that to compete in this league. I like Kermit Davis, man. I liked him in middle Tennessee, you know, and everything he did there. Uh, and I think being in the SEC, I mean, the SEC pound for pound right now might have the best coaches in America, you know, if you look at top to bottom. You had a dude like Kermit Davis who, man, when they mauled that Michigan State team and it was all those, all those like 28-year-old Juco dudes they had, you know, like Man Man and JoJo and them, man, <laughs> I mean, that was real. Like, like those dudes could ball and they were not afraid of Michigan State at all. And I think Kermit Davis – uh for sure. You know, he can coach and I'm glad he got the opportunity and you know, if they stick with him and give him a chance, I think that team will continue to improve. All right. Well, thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, man. No problem. If you like what we have going on here, make sure that you support the people that support us. Go to shop.lowerafterhours.com for all your clothing needs. Again, find that at shop.lourafterhours.com. Want to see a real velociraptor dribbling the basketball? Go to shop.lourafterhours.com. Do you have a sarcastic friend in your group named Jeff? Then go to shop.lourafterhours.com and find them the perfect gift. All right. Uh, up next, we're going to throw it back to Steak Sauce. I think he's got another question for you. Go ahead, Steak. Hey, man, I'm back. Um, cool. I mentioned earlier I'm out here in Albuquerque, home of uh, Jackson Wink um, and the training grounds of John Jones. How, I don't know how familiar you are with the 
the the reputation Albuquerque has, but do you think John Jones's career would be even better if he didn't train here? Oh no, I think Jackson Week turned him into a monster. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think I think that's where he he needs to be. Um, no, John Jones is the greatest fighter in UFC history. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But the question about John Jones will always be, what could he have been if he hadn't had all the stuff outside the cage? Yeah, that's where I'm still, coming from, because Albuquerque yeah. does that to people. There's nothing to do here but get in trouble. Man, I think, I don't know where you put a dude like John Jones who, for a stretch in his career, was just a young dude with money and wanted to party and do all the things that a rock star does. I don't know that you would have changed John Jones if you put him in Salt Lake City or something like that. Like, he was going to be who he is, you know. But but I think we'll always – John Jones retires today. He's the greatest fighter of all time, in my opinion. The challenge will be, much like Mike Tyson, much like some of these other great athletes who had different challenges, we're always going to wonder what could have been with John Jones. And that's a crazy thing to say about a dude – who's already the GOAT, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, John Jones is would be tremendous anywhere. And I also think he would have the same challenges anywhere. But Jackson Wink is, that's where you go to get better. I mean, everybody goes down to Jackson Wink. Holly Holm and what she's been able to do throughout her career. Like everybody who's come out of Jackson Wink has been better for it. It's just, you know, John Jones has just made some big mistakes, I think, in his life to date. And it's cost him. It's not only cost him reputation. I mean, how many millions of dollars has he lost? Because John Jones, to me, could have been in Conor McGregor's position. Like, John Jones could have been the American Conor McGregor if, if he'd stayed on that path. And he could be the guy where you had to see him fight. Um, and I, I think he messed up some key opportunities. You think he's going to uh, fight heavyweight? He has to, I think. I mean, he don't want to fight... Dominic Reyes, I mean, you don't want to fight that dude again. I mean, he's, he's, he's already walking around at probably 220, 230. So that weight cut as you get older is getting harder. And you just get off a fight with a young dude like Dominic Reyes, you don't want to fight that dude again. That dude's been training his whole life to beat John Jones. You know, you don't want to give him a second chance. So I think he'll go to heavyweight. Will he fight for the belt? Not right away. He shouldn't fight Steve Amiocic. Francis Ngannou should get that. I don't know why any human being would want to fight Francis Ngannou. I would rather fight a Power Ranger than fight Francis Ngannou because that dude <laughs> literally likes to punch people for fun, man. And he's the nicest dude in the world. Like, he's so nice and he talks so soft and he makes you think that you and him could be friends. And then you see him just destroy gigantic fighters. Why would anybody sign a contract to fight him, man? So... I think John Jones is going to heavyweight. I don't know that John Jones wants to just get in there and fight those giants right away. That's the uh, that's the best comparison I've ever heard. I'd rather fight a Power Ranger than fight that dude. That was so man. good. That was so good. I will be Definitely. coming to you solely for my uh, UFC uh, analysis <laughs> from now on. Um, uh, my uh, I drive a little white Ford Ranger, uh, okay. and so my – my tag says Tiger Zord on the back of it. I've got a custom okay. tag. Yes. <laughs> I grew up on that shit. Love yes. it. And of course, of course, uh, we're we're colloquially known as the Lauer Rangers. Um, yeah. uh, so you know, a little tie in there. Well done. Well like done, it. my man. All right, like we're gonna throw it to a Aaron uh, in Memphis again. He's got a very specific question. Aaron Ward. I might not be able to question? answer it. Okay, no, go, it, go for it, Aaron. It, it it's following up on the on the Bill Self stuff. So is there any other explanation as to how the hell Will Wade still has a job outside of the fact that Scott Woodward, LSU's athletic director is married to Mark Emmerich's daughter? I think <laughs> that is pretty specific. Is. So I went down. So, so like uh, when the Will Wade stuff went down, man, I flew down there for sports center and um, you know, he wasn't talking to LSU for a while. Like they wanted to talk to him. He wasn't. Um, and then they suspended him. It doesn't make a lot of sense to anybody that I know in terms of the allegations, but Will Wade is a hell of a coach. I mean, nobody can deny that. The dude can coach. 
and the dude has brought talent to LSU, how has he recruited that talent? Well, I mean, that remains the, the question. But I think a lot of people have the same attitude and like, how can you keep this dude on staff? But here's my overall thought. For anybody involved in this NCAA FBI stuff, I don't think anybody cares about vacated records anymore. So I think a lot of people just go, you know what? If we're going to get punished, we're going to try to at least win a championship at some point. And if you want to take it, who cares? You can't tell any Louisville fan that they didn't win the 2013 national championship. (laughs) They don't care. They're still going to party in 2023 at the 10-year anniversary, I assure you. So I think that is part of it is that a lot of schools figure we're going to just keep these guys around and let's see what happens. I think the other thing is the appeals process and the money that these guys are willing to spend. North Carolina spent more than $20 million on its legal case when the NCAA said they had these bogus courses, right, that athletes were signing up for. They were taking these bogus, bogus courses, getting easy A's. North Carolina said – The NCAA does not have jurisdiction. You don't have the right to tell us anything about our courses, anything about our academics. That is not your role. And North Carolina won. So for me, when North Carolina won that case, I think that encouraged a whole lot of people that we're just going to keep fighting this thing. Kansas is going to fight. LSU will fight. Arizona, if they get in trouble, fight. All of these schools are going to fight the NCAA And I know they're willing to spend millions and millions of dollars to do it. So I think a lot of it is, unless you can prove it, and it's really hard to prove some of these cases, these schools aren't going to do the NCAA's work for them. Yeah, no, I can tell you as somebody that went to Ole Miss uh, during 2014 through the 16 season that uh, vacated wins – mean very little to us i Nobody was there cares, right? i got to enjoy Nobody the hell cares. out of it i don't give a damn what the NCAA <laughs> says nobody cares man and that maybe a past generation that was a bigger thing this generation nobody cares because right, i think nope. the problem is a lot of people don't respect the ncaa so it's like who are you to tell us yeah what's proper or not when you're making billions of dollars off these amateur athletes that you don't want to pay for sure. All right. Up next, we're going to go to our foreign correspondent in Australia, Morgan. Go ahead, Morgan. Whoa, Australia. Is it my turn? It is. Sorry, guys, I've just been sweeping. <laughs> All good. Sorry to bother you, everyone. I've just been sweeping up. It's a bit messy today. I don't know why. <laughs> Oh, Boston fans. Hey, Boston fans are the best. <laughs> uh, uh, to, to, for all for all of our listeners, real quick, uh, Morgan. Yeah, sorry, that went uh, that went really well over yeah, a podcast. This sorry. is yeah, yeah. For for the podcast, doesn't doesn't exactly work for an audio medium. But uh, Morgan, uh, uh, she uh, uh, very um, beautifully uh, swept swept into frame uh, with a broom <laughs> and uh, wearing her Boston Celtics jersey. We're recording this on the day that the Boston Celtics swept the Philadelphia 76ers in the bubble. Go for it, Morgan. Yeah. Oh, it's a real That's shame. Great. I'm really, really sad for Ben and his friends. I'm sure you are sad. <laughs> I'm just devastated. Um, yeah, so today was a good day. Um, I just wanted to say who you think the best Australian college basketballer has been, in your opinion? Hmm. I tell you what, Ben Simmons that one year at LSU was tremendous, right? But I would say Andrew Bogut. Andrew Bogut at Utah was a monster, you, you know. And I'm from Milwaukee, you know, so he obviously played in Milwaukee. But that dude in college was really, really, really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Bogut was, to me, the best probably Australian player I've seen. You know, you see – I mean, he's obviously not – Patty Mills, you know, playing at St. Mary's was really good as well. Now San Antonio, but Ben Simmons at LSU, they didn't use him right. Like, they didn't put him in the best position that I think they could have considering his talent. But Ben Simmons was fun to watch during the year that he was at LSU. I would have loved to have seen Ben Simmons at Kansas or Kentucky or Duke playing with one of those blue-chip programs. I think it would have been a different story. Will he ever play in a team where he's actually able to make his team better and, like, yeah. make them win? 
because he couldn't make LSU win and he's not making, like, no, this is like not as being an asshole. This is yeah. being an Australian. Not that he's played for Australia yet, so that's what my issue is. Um, but if he ever does decide that he wants to play for Australia, will he ever be good enough that he'll be able to win us a game? So I'll say this. It's clear what Ben Simmons can't do, right? He's not <laughs> yeah. a great shooter. Like, it's obviously – and the thing about Ben Simmons is it's hard to look at a young player and be like, oh, man, that dude has a bright future when you see Steph Curry shooting the way that he is, when you see Luka shooting the way that he is, and Trey Young and all these other great young players, Jason Tatum. You see all these young guys who can all stress the floor because they're great shooters, and Ben Simmons is not that. And that's a real thing. Like, if you're going to build around him, it's hard to do that because you know he needs a lot of help offensively. But all the other stuff that dude can do, the way he can get to the basket, the way he can defend all five positions, I mean, the way that he can really be a great facilitator and, and as a guard, rebounder, he can do all of those things that you would want, I think, in a player. It's just hard to make that your foundation when he's not a shooter, when he's not a scorer outside of five feet. So that's the thing with Ben Simmons. I actually think he can make people around him better you just got to do what Milwaukee did with Giannis. And if you have a guy like that who's limited in terms of his shooting ability, you surround him with shooters and you open the floor so that he can operate. And I, I don't – I think Ben Simmons needs that kind of situation. And if he gets it, I mean, Ben Simmons is still a really, really extremely talented young player in the league. I just don't know why we want him to be something that it's clear he's not. Yeah. Like an Australian basketballer. <laughs> um, I hope he plays. I mean, that, that Australian team, that Australian team look, could be amazing, he, right? He created this corona just so he didn't have to go to the Olympics and play for Australia. <laughs> Asshole. I, I would have loved to see that team, though. I mean, you all. That's yeah, I think they would. I think they would have been really good. Like this. Yeah. We, like we've never really been like close, but yeah. if we were going to be close, like if you're going to have Baines and you'll have um, yeah. Ingles, Mills. Yeah. Deli, deli to scrap. Like, yeah, yeah. And I guess you could let Simmons play if he wants to. But sure, sure. Um, <laughs> there's that. And Aaron, Aaron thinks that I didn't hear what he said about LSU, but I certainly did. I went and jumped and got my hat. Um, and but Will Wade is a fraud. So. <laughs> hey, a lot of people have their thoughts on on Will Wade. But here's my problem about all these guys and people ask me this question. I don't know who cheats and who doesn't. So I, I don't know how to judge it, to be honest with you. I mean, is it cheating just because you get caught? Because that's, to me, what's happening in college basketball is that yeah. people are getting caught. But the stories I could tell y'all about old school basketball players mm-hmm. and the things that happen, I'll tell you a quick story. I know a guy who's now a head coach in college basketball. And at the time, he was an All-American. He was an All-American, uh, I'll say the 90s. He grew up in a real tough part of town. Like, brother was in prison for murder. Like, this dude grew up tough. So all these coaches wanted him, right? Every coach in America that you can think of came through to try to recruit him. So this one coach comes in, big-time coach. I'm not going to say his name. And he's sitting in the, in the little apartment that this guy shares with his mom. And he has a briefcase. And he picks up the briefcase, and he throws it on the table. And he pops the briefcase and there's $40,000 cash in the briefcase. This is the 90s. This coach's mom looks at the coach and goes, interesting, that's not even a top three offer right now. So, like, the idea idea that, like, this is some new thing is just crazy. I know guys who were – pushing money around and, and, and pitching money to guys and giving money to guys for, for years. So I, I just think, yeah, it is easy to say, hey, we'll wait, or if you think Bill Self cheated or anybody else. But, man, I think cheating is all across the game of college basketball, and yeah, I think it it's is. been there for years. Do you think that um, that situation could change if they were paid? Or, I think or would it would their I think pay it would. not be enough? I think it would it would it would certainly change maybe the level of temptation that you might have to accept money, right? Because here's the problem that I always have with people is tell me an 18 to 22 year old, no matter what they do, no matter who they are, 
that wouldn't accept money. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, people are making it seem like it's a college athlete thing. No, people in general, if you give them money, they're going to be like, hey, I'll take it. And they'll think about the rules later. So the idea that these college students are supposed to be like, no, no, that violates the rules. I think that's crazy. I think paying them would alleviate some of the temptation. Here's the lie with when it comes to paying kids. Everybody's like, oh, that kid wants a new car. That kid wants to live in some luxury apartment. I know dudes who just want their moms to keep the lights on. Like, I know dudes who like, you know, I'll tell you about a player. Landry Shamit is playing for the L.A. Clippers right now. Uh, coming off the bench for L.A., pretty good player. Landry Shamit went to Wichita State, and he was coming off a second broken foot injury when he made this decision to turn pro. And I was like, Landry, like, man, you know, why now? Why the decision? Like, you know, there was, he, he was sort of hot and cold on his draft status. He was like, listen, man, my mom's been trying to keep her house for about two years. There's some real problems with the house. I got to turn pro. And it was that simple for that dude. And there are so many stories like that of guys I know who don't want money so they can live rich in college. They want to be able to go home and they want to be able to say, hey, mom, you're good. They want to be able to say, hey, sure, you can come to a game across the country because now I can afford the tickets. Like, that's yep. the kind of stuff they want. And tell me why they shouldn't get it. Uh, uh, imagine all the greatest athletes of whatever sport you support in college, right? Imagine the biggest athlete that you know. Imagine the kind of money they could have made off their name, their image, or their likeness during their two, three, four years of college. Like, why shouldn't that dude be allowed to capitalize on at least his name, his image, and his likeness? How can that be outlawed, you know? so It's terrible. Like, even, like, gymnasts can't have a YouTube channel where they... It's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Like, it's disgusting. Anyway, thank you so much for answering my questions and for indulging me with my sweeping. I love I love the sweep. Boston's good. We got a chance. All right, Myron, we got a couple more quick questions for you. You're going to throw it to Jeff okay. right quick. Go for it, Jeff. Hey, Myron, it's Jeff. Hey, um, so uh, before I ask my question, let me just say, Reggie has a Heisman. and um, <laughs> <laughs> He definitely does. And and additionally, <laughs> if you ever want a um, easier uh, basketball college basketball experience to cover, I invite you to. I will personally invite you to come out to a USC game with me. There will be four people there. We will be two of them. <laughs> it will be a grand old time. You'll have plenty of elbow room. Um, so, uh, generally speaking, um, we try to keep these questions evergreen, but I'm going to break that rule slightly. Um, mostly because our good friend Aaron here doesn't believe in the person I'm about to speak of. So, um, Luca, what the fuck? <laughs> Dude, I will tell you what. I mean, that's why you had to fly, fire Vladi Divac in Sacramento, right? Like, he picked Marvin Bagley over Luca. Luca, and I, I tweeted this question. If you had to start an NBA franchise right now, today, and you're trying to build for the future, how many guys are you taking over Luca right now? Right? Maybe Giannis. Maybe Giannis. Zero. Maybe maybe Anthony Davis. But you're not getting the four or five guys. I don't think you have three. Like nope. the way he played today, down that big, on the same stage as Kawhi Leonard, who might be the best two-way player in the league right now. Luca is a superstar now. Forget what's coming. And I think if you're the NBA – and you see that, him battling this way in the first round, like, man, he took the bubble experience to the next level. Yeah. And I think what he did today was, like, that was legendary, man. That was that was beyond a good performance. That was one of those performances we'll be talking about 20 years from now. But, I mean, Lo- Luca. Would you – would you excuse me, Byron. Would you describe that uh, performance as elite, possibly? <laughs> oh, man. I would, would you- I would – that was – that was <laughs> – Thanos level, man. That was like, Hell yeah, I'm going to snap my fingers and destroy everybody. And imagine, right. imagine being poor Reggie Jackson trying to guard him on that last oh, night. Like, that man, poor guy, poor dude. Guy. Oh, my God. Oh, man. He I mean, was just on an cool. island, and he, he, he had two or three seconds of just like, oh, dang, this isn't going to yeah, be good. What can you do, man? 
Lucky Byron, you didn't even mention the bad ankle. It's my goodness, who was working on him to get him in that shape again? Like that Seriously. is amazing. That's that a great point. That. Twenty-one years old too, bro. Like, get the hell and, out of here. And you know what's scary is they got cap room, and they yep. can create a hole for Giannis. Dude, you know like, he you only, wanna... he's only got eighteen million on the books for the next two years. Let me tell you something. Watch for the Giannis to Dallas rumors to kick in the high gear in the next year. You heard it here first, folks. Heard it here first. Thanks a lot, Myron. Appreciate you being with us. (laughs) Got got one more question, and then I'm going to throw it to Lou. I'm going to go back to John in Miami. Go ahead, John. Hi again. Just wondering what you uh, might be watching on TV uh, now that we're all stuck at home and not not, um, going anywhere for a while. Just finished Ozark. Um, Season three was incredible. Um, man, I'm watching a lot. Lovecraft Country just started on HBO. I'm watching a show on Stars called P Valley, um, which which is about adult entertainment, but the storyline is much bigger than that. It's actually got like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's an incredible storytelling effort on, on Stars. I'm watching that. Um, I'm going back and watching The Wire again. I'm I'm more honestly I'm bigger on movies because like it's easier for me to like carve out a couple hours than to like carve out a whole stretch binging like I got kids I do two shows on the weekend I do my main job but it's easier for me to be like hey here's a couple hours so I'm really uh I'm trying to go down the list of all the free movies I have on demand through HBO and get through them I just watched Gemini Man that was incredible Will Smith's movie I didn't know it was that good I was very impressed by that. Project Peel with Jamie Foxx was really, really good. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to, to, to watch that, um, I basically just go through the on-demand, whatever's like seven bucks to rent, man, and I try to get through some of those. My next movie that I want to see is Invisible Man. I heard it was really good. Um, so, yeah. All right. Am I missing anything? Y'all got any suggestions? Are there any binging suggestions? Movies, Invisible or, or Man. Shows? Invisible Man is excellent. I, I do recommend that. Yeah. It just, didn't Invisible Man get made like a few years, like fifteen years ago, and it's basically the same movie again, except it was ha- Hollow, Hollow Man. Man. Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon uh, was like a version of it, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. I would go. Yeah, I want Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I've heard that was good. Yeah, season two of that's out right now. I've got to catch up on that. That's a, thank you for reminding me, John. I completely forgot about that. Man, that's a whole – Ari, hell yeah. I got a whole new that's season whole to watch. Yeah, yeah, completely forgot. Thank you Thank you for uh, turning that question <laughs> back around on us for sure. All right, I'm going to throw it out to uh, Lou Rafter, a.k.a. Bruce in sales again, and he's got something for you. Go ahead, Lou. Hey, uh, man, this was so much fun tonight. I, your stories just, like, kept us all engaged. It was super fun. Uh, show for you uh, – an old show on FX called Justified. Okay. I, I love it. I love it. It's in the hills of Kentucky about an old um, uh, marshal kind of doing the law in like urban Kentucky. And he's kind of like a cowboy slash marshal. And it's like, it's, it's awesome. Justified. Justified yeah, on it, FX. Okay. T- uh, it's got Tim Lee Olafat in it. Nice. Okay. I'll definitely check that out. Yo, but, yo, so, really quick. One second. I don't think we have Lou on video. And I think that might be important for the following. Oh, yeah. Oops. Let's see. Yes, that would make. Ah, that's why I'm not there. <laughs> I was wondering, where am I at? Um, invisible man. <laughs> Myron, we're, we're a very, very professional organization. Very, very pro outfit we got going yeah, on. Yeah, listen, man. We're all doing the same thing, man. We're all yes, doing we the are. same thing. Well, so one thing we like to do on here, we, uh, we kind of like to make a um, – a custom hat for the guests and before pam was telling me how much you love stanley from the office and that the did i stutter scene was really good so uh i made this hat and then all of a sudden uh when you said you you hated stanley was one like your second least favorite I was like oh no like did i just mess this up but, <laughs> no you did, you did. <laughs> all right you did not. <laughs> but I, if you can see it we made you a uh i made you a did did i stutter cap <laughs> I, I want that hat. No, I definitely want that hat. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to say that Stanley, there are certainly some incredible moments for right. Stanley. Definitely right. has some incredible moments. I just want him to cheer up a little bit, man. Come on, brother. <laughs> Smile a little bit, man. Come on. 
I just got real worried because I was like, nah. oh no, like he, like I'm like way <laughs> off on this character. Nah, man. No, nah, I, I uh, no, nah, it's it's cool. I love to rock that. I appreciate that. What, you just make hats for people. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what during you do? like you just I, I'm in a unique situation. Yeah, so like I mean, I I own an embroidery company, and when I got hooked up with these guys, like we, st- I was like, oh, I should start making hats for people during the podcast, and if things come up during the podcast, then I'll try to incorporate in the hat, or I try to do something, whatever comes to my head quickly before the before the day. So it's it's really fun to do. No, I need that hat. That hat, that's a conversation starter. Right. Sure, I'll definitely, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely rock that. I'll uh, I'll. I'll message you on on Twitter and get all those details for you. Cool, man. <laughs> all right. Well, I, Sorry, did, did you turn your camera off when he said that Stanley wasn't his favorite? And you turned it off. And you were like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, that's, that Morgan. That's exactly. <laughs> oh, what that's exactly. You, thought, you, thought you turned it off, and he like, fucking oh, man, he threw that, that thing across the room. <laughs> <laughs> he's been he's been storming around his embroidery shop this entire time. Furious. <laughs> trying to make, furious. Were you trying to make a second hat during this thing, man? Were you trying to create something else? Instead he's of so, fucking Stanley. Fuck he's Stanley. so quick at these things, man. I like when you said that, I was like, oh shit, Lou's about to make a whole other hat. Like I have I wonder <laughs> oh, what he's gonna man. come up with. Like I <laughs> nah, nah, oh, I rock anything from the office, man. I, I love, yeah. No, I mean I was I was me and Pam were talking. I was like, please, please, like I'm so glad she asked that question, brought that up. Cause I was like, oh my god, I'm not giving this hat if he's like not his favorite. Oh, man, man. I, I love it. I'll like rock it for scene. sure. No, I would rock it for sure. Awesome, Definitely. fantastic, yeah, great. <laughs> well, we'll get it out because yeah, that's that's what we do. We like well, we like to send the hat out to the guests after cool. the podcast. And Myron oh, Medcalf, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you yeah. so much for your for making time for us. Um, w- tell us uh, where people can find you. Like like you know, promote promote whatever you've got going on right now. I wish I had a mixtape or something, man. Man, what's that? That felt like I was supposed to say that I had a song coming out with DMX or something like that. <laughs> oh, my was, God. That wasn't <laughs> ready for that. <laughs> Just say Mario, it. Anyway. It didn't have to be true. You bet to co- come out and cover USC basketball with me. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be incredible. Um, uh, yeah, so I, um, I do the radio thing. So I do one to five now every Saturday on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Matt Jones, Joe Fortenbow. Uh, so that's uh, college game day. And then Sunday, I do Sunday morning, 10 to 1 p.m., ESPN Radio with Matt Schick. Uh, Sunday morning is the name of the show. I write about college basketball. Excuse me, on ESPN.com, you'll see me write about different college sports. Case of UFC, boxing. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm out there. If you look All over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you've got... Oh, yeah. What's your Twitter? Where can people follow you? At Metcalf by ESPN. Metcalf, M-E-D-C-A-L-F by ESPN. It was a name I came up with years ago. I don't like it. I should probably change it, but <laughs> I thought it was cool like 10 years ago, and it's probably not that cool, but that's the name. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Who can help you well, with that? <laughs> Myron Metcalf, thank you so much for joining us. Newest member of the Rough Riders. Uh, got a new song out with DMX. I wish. Uh, and, uh, and Eve. <laughs> I wish, man. Don't even. Man, I should call. I got a, I got a BMX story I'll tell some other time. But yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. please. Okay. Yeah, Go I, ahead. We've got all the tell. time in the world. You've got a lot of stories. You can you can do it now or you can join us again some other time. So so I watched DMX's limo get a boot on it in Chicago. So he uh, <laughs> and he couldn't get to a show. So so DMX and Red Band are on tour around the country. And it just so happened that I'm staying at his hotel. Or he's staying at my hotel, whatever. Right. And his limo guy pulls up. And, you know, Chicago, like, you can't just park wherever you want. Right. So, but his limo guy, giant stretch limo, parks right in the valet section and just leaves his limo. Doesn't tell anybody, just leaves his limo right there. So the people come out and they're like, dude, whose limo is that? And it's like, it's DMX's limo. Like, you know, whatever. They just feel like they can park wherever they want to, like it's 1998 or something like that. Like, no, nah, it was like 20, <laughs> it was like 2016. I think you need to follow the rules, DMX. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So all of a sudden, the Chicago guys came out and they put a boot 
on the car. So they come back out and they're getting ready to go to their show. And they're like, what happened? You know? And everybody's like, dude, you can't, you can't park there. You know, DMX is like, what happened? You know what I mean? Oh no. You know, like he was doing nothing. You know? So it was like one of those deals. It was crazy. Like his, his limo driver thought it was like 1997 and he was running around with Eve or something right. like that. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, bro, bro, this is not 20 years ago, man. So, okay. Well, DMX, that that's a fantastic story. And also it is clear that you and Mina Kimes are going to have to have a DMX impersonation uh, <laughs> off uh, at some point, at some point in ESPN radio's future, the two of you are going to have to have a DMX off. Like it, like a, like one of those versus battles, you know, that they're oh, doing on Instagram right now. Yeah. I think I will win. I think I will win. I, th- I, I really think so. Do. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. Hey, on the DMX. count of three, can, yeah, I, I can I get a thank you, Myron, on the count of three? One, two, three. Thank, thank you, Myron. Thank you, Myron. Thank you, Myron. Thank you, Myron. Thank you for having Absolutely. Thank appreciate you so much. And uh, we hope to have you on again sometime. We really appreciate it. Sure. All right. Have a great rest of your evening. All right. Thanks for having me. Later, Myron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.